Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up? Welcome to the Burning Network podcast mini-series. We've been talking about it for a little bit now, and it is officially time to kick off drafting Burgundy. I'm Josh Taylor, joined by Adam Aniba and Brian Murphy. Guys, what is going on? What's going up, guys? So, obviously, the biggest thing in Washington is finding our future quarterback. And in this series, we're obviously going to be talking about other positions, um, but I think that it is in best interest to start with quarterback position because that is what is most talked about right now, obviously with drafting Haskins at 15 last season and the carousel of Alex Smith coming back and Kyle Allen. Is he the future of our team? I'd say that uh, we all agree that he's not. Adam, Brian, would you agree and say that we currently do not have our quarterback of the future on our roster? Yeah, there's there's no way, uh, not not right now. Maybe maybe a backup on the roster, but not the, the guy. Agree, and 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 what I'm thinking right now with uh, Kyle Allen, the best case scenario is if you know somehow he can pull out six seven wins, you know, get into the playoffs. Like a lot of people say, what's the point? But I see a, a lot to that because if he can do that, to me, he's a bridge quarterback next year, and they can still draft that quarterback. But if he can't get them to that point, uh, you know, I'm not sure he's even at that. He's nothing more than a backup, but I'm still pulling for the ladder. And, you know, and I hope that he can get them six, seven wins, because I think that'll be, you know, one less thing that they can do and they can move on from Alex Smith next year, regardless. Yeah. That's probably one of the most concerning things is that contract for Alex Smith uh, that we'll have to address in the off season. Uh, not sure what's going to happen with that, but um, like I said, we're going to be talking about every single position. I mean, leading up into the draft, you know, some people will say, oh, it's too early to look at the draft. It is literally never too early. Um, and me and Adam, we did this a lot last year in the offseason. Honestly, it was probably the biggest, like, views and listens um, in the offseason was just draft profiles, you know, talking to college players, um, guys that were drafted even as high as, like, the second, third round. Um, and we're going to have future guests. So, obviously, can't talk to college players right now because of uh, – their rights with the college and everything like that. I've tried a couple that they're like, Hey, we're not allowed to talk right now, but uh, we have guys like Jordan Reed coming on in the future, Jason Campbell uh, future or former quarterback for Washington um, stuff like that, just to talk about everything. But like I said, I think quarterback is the number one thing to look at. And it's what I said before this, you know, recorded was not repeating the mistake of Haskins. Is he officially a mistake? You can debate it if you want, but from what we're looking at right now, it looks like we're completely done with Haskins. Going as high as 15, Brian, do you think we made a bad decision drafting him that high, or would you say you would do it again just based off of his upside that he had coming out of college? Yeah, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, but, uh, I mean, the physical tools were there. You know, it was very impressive what he did at Ohio State in a limited amount of time. And I think we'll get into that a little bit. I think that was honestly the biggest red flag is just the lack of starts even going back to college. So, um, yeah, you, you got to think now that it's it's a bad look uh, going that high, uh, 15. Um, 
man, that's tough to to say and to see right now. Um, but you know that 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 skill was definitely tantalizing. It was definitely uh, intriguing. So I can definitely see why they did it. And um, you know, we've seen flashes of that arm talent, just the the skills that he has. But you know, for whatever reason, it it just hasn't worked out. So yeah, I, you know, I'm all for shutting down this carousel and finally getting it right. So whatever that takes. Yeah, I believe Pat Mahomes was also taken at 15 um, in his draft. So um, that's something also we're going to talk about. You know, people say, you know, to get that, you know, future quarterback, you have to draft as high as possible. I I would say, you know, in future episodes, Adam would disagree with that, especially with some guys we're looking at, you know, second, third round. Tom Brady was taken in the sixth round. You just never know. That's why it's so important that the scouting department gets everything right and you make sure you have someone that fits your team. Absolutely. So I will I will say this next because the two guys we're talking about this episode is Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Um, but I want to take a look at, you know, why I think Haskins didn't succeed and is because of his lack of experience, you know, going to college. He had like he played a few games, his like first official season in college and then had that first full season and then got drafted. So, Adam, I'm going to go to you. With our team, we talk about week in and week out how much you know we're lacking these weapons and talent, how we need a wide receiver and all these weapons around Haskins. Do you think that it is you know true to say that we need a quarterback with this college experience, like Herbert, who's balling right now, like Burrow, you know that had you know he played at Ohio State and LSU, to kind of go into the NFL with that experience and not be able to just grow through the NFL, not depend on your team. What, what would your take be on that? For sure. Um, I, I don't, and I think a lot of fans would agree, they're not in the position right now to wait two, three years to groom, you know, a young quarterback. And unfortunately right now it's, it's early in the process granted, but you know, Fields and, and Lance are two guys I, I do like, but I think you have to have more patience with them, you know, but when you start to talk about guys like Trevor Lawrence, you know, those are the guys that are like Burrow that, you know, you're going to set them up, uh, you know, early on to, uh, to start and run your your team and I don't think we're limited to that because it's an odd situation because after Lawrence you kind of have a drop off as far as NFL ready in my opinion but then you start to go down you know to other quarterbacks and I'm sure we'll get into at some point but you know there's other guys that may be lesser known that are risers that are more equipped to come into the NFL and play right away so it's a tricky situation you know what I've been talking about on other shows I've been on is it's not only about who is the best quarterbacks ranked like one, two, three, four, five. It's what are teams really looking for? And I think with the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, not as much Mahomes, but you know, more system offenses like what Baltimore's running. I think that, you know, players like Lance and Fields are appealing and could be maybe taken earlier in a draft like, you know, this year compared to years past because of, you know, the success we've seen uh, with a lot of the college offense transitioning. Um, but I think it's it's really it's early on to see. But I think there's going to be some interesting moves with the quarterback position. But for right now, I think it's Trevor Lawrence and, and everybody else, to be honest with you. And I, I, I've looked at the draft boards and different people, but I can't really see after what's happened over you know the last three years with, with Sunshine that anybody's going to. You know, because Burrow, he had that great year. I still think as a collective, Lawrence is put more on the table has a better resume and I, I'd rather have him run on my team even though we've seen Burrow had success so I think right now it's Trevor Lawrence and the rest but you know we're going to get a chance to see especially with the offseason the COVID's going to 
really mix them things up. Oh, it's yeah. going to be interesting to see if they even do have, you know, a real combine or a, a modified combine, but I'm still interested to see that process. It matters to me. So, yeah. And you said something interesting that I uh, had in notes to talk about too, is what does today's NFL, you know, quarterback look like, you know, we went from, you know, your statue quarterback just standing in the pocket, um, like your Tom Brady, Ben Rosberg kind of guys that are just going to stand in the pocket and throw it. Then we had that really weird phase that didn't last long in 2012 with like the triple option uh, with like Cam Newton, RG3 and all that. <laughs> I was kind of excited about that, but it didn't seem to last that long. Uh, you know, Kaepernick and all of them ran it pretty well. But now it looks like, um, and you ask a lot of guys around, you know, the league that, you know, pay attention to these kind of things. Like Orlowski was saying it the other day. The quarterback position in the NFL is changing. If you don't have a quarterback that can't make plays with his feet and you, you know, get out of the pocket, you know, you don't have to be a Lamar Jackson to run the ball all the time. But if you can't use your feet, you're going to fail. And you see guys like Jimmy Garoppolo, who's on the decline right now, not able to make plays on his feet and stuff like that. So, Brian, would you say that's kind of like what we should be leaning towards or what's your take on that? Just, you know, with the, the quarterback position really changing right now in the NFL? Yeah, I was going to say you need a mobile guy, but that doesn't mean being able to run for 100 yards from the quarterback position. You need a, a guy that can get out of the pocket and still make strong throws. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I don't think he's going to beat many guys in a race, but he's still mobile and he can still get outside that pocket and, and chuck the ball down the field. I mean, that's what you see with Trevor Lawrence rolling out to his left. And we saw the video coming in. He's able to just roll out to his left and, and and still have that same arm strength as if he was standing still. So that's absolutely what you need. I mean, Mahomes can run when he has to, but really he runs to to set himself up to throw again. I think that was the difference uh, with Russell Wilson as uh, as opposed to RG3 and Cam Newton, those guys you, you mentioned. He would run to set himself up to throw. He wouldn't always run just to run. He's still looking to throw the ball down the field. I mean, I feel like there are so many times where we watch him and it looks like he's going to take off and he stops right before the line of scrimmage and chucks it down the field because he's always looking to throw. So I think you need a quarter, you know, a quarterback obviously is is going to throw the football. I think that needs to be their first objective. I, I, I don't think that they need to to worry about, you know, taking off and running all the time. They need to be able to, to be elusive. Um, and that can mean just kind of dancing around the pocket a little bit. And so that's absolutely what you're looking for. I think a Rodgers, Mahomes, those are perfect kind of guys that can they'll, – they'll hit you with a 20-yard run, but they're really looking to get out and still make some plays down the field. No, I completely agree with you. And we're going to jump right into Lawrence, like you were talking about how he's mobile. Um, and he's actually more mobile than what people would you know think. You know, being a, He's six foot six, 220, junior quarterback out of Clemson. Being that big of a guy kind of reminds me of like Herbert with his size – um, Adam, would you rather have your six foot six guy or you're kind of like, I don't care. Give me a Kyler Murray if he can throw the ball like Kyler does. But see, that's the thing about Lawrence. It's like, I, I almost forget when I'm watching him on film, you know, until he gets a, you know, uh, you know, next to a big lineman that he is that tall. Cause he's able to get so low in the pocket and the way he moves around, I really forget. And I don't look at him quite like that. Like you mentioned Herbert, you know, <clears throat> a guy that's elusive, that can make plays in, he can really – footwork is not going to doom him. That's one thing I, I noticed with, with a lot of plays I've seen from Lawrence. You know, He had literally a half of a phone booth sometimes in the pocket, and he would just step to the right off balance and just throw it on a rope. Not many guys are able to do that. You know, I saw 
Um, when Andrew Luck came out, I really liked what he was doing. But, man, if he could have learned from what a lot of these guys have been doing, because I think over the years we've seen an evolution. These guys know how to take care of themselves, sliding, uh, you know, eluding pressure. And I think Lawrence, if he continues the way he's playing, he knows how to get out of it. A lot of people are concerned, you know, what kind of abuse he could take in the next level. But he's another one, just with his background and his experience, I think that although you might lose a little bit of, you know, lower sense of gravity, you know, the Kyler Murray, which, you know, I really like that type too. I think he kind of gives you the, you know, best of both worlds. Trevor Lawrence was his injury history. That's something I really didn't think, but I think last year he, he got like banged up in his ribs or something like that against like Boston college and Georgia tech or somebody. Um, but the- lower, I was going to say he lo- he'll lower his shoulder as a six, six guy. And that's gotta be a little nerve. You can't do that in the NFL. No, no. So, yeah, you yeah, want a little yeah. bit more meat on the bones, but <laughs> oh yeah, for, for his height especially. Um, but with Trevor Lawrence, you know, right now he uh, he's currently not playing because he tested positive for uh, coronavirus. He's out in the uh, Notre Dame game also. Uh, but that offense didn't really skip a beat, uh, to be honest with you. But uh, so far his stats this season: 135 completions on 191 passes, 1,833 yards, seven touchdowns. 17 touchdowns and two interceptions, which is nuts. Yeah. Um, but the thing with Lawrence is he's never really in the Heisman discussion like every year. I don't even think he's ever been like nominated. So like, why do you think that is, Adam? I think a, a lot of people just look at like the, the Cle- Clemson offense as a whole and just all their weapons. And I think it's the same thing with Alabama. If you can rise to that in Alabama, you've got to be – you know, a generational talent, because I think it hurts you sometimes when you're surrounded by so much talent. I think it takes away from a lot of their achievements, you know, especially with a guy like Etienne, that guy's going to be phenomenal. Like I look at him as like, I don't even like, I can't even figure him out like a cross between like a Reggie Bush. And like, I, I, I don't know. Cause he does a lot more than Reggie Bush ever did. In he my does opinion. literally every. So I think that, you know, that that's impactful as far as when the, the, those discussions come into play. But I, I think, if we're talking about possible sure things, a lot of people said Burrow, you know, a lot of people thought he was, he'd have a good career. And I think the jury's still out. It's early on, but he's, he's looking good. But I think Trevor Lawrence situation can matter. I think if you're talking about a team like the jets, that can matter. Uh, It depends if they're going to, you know, dedicate resources, you know, Mims is a good receiver, you know, Becton is, is a good tackle. So they have a couple blocks there, but um, if you, draft him you better have a plan in place and that better be to do a lot of what he did at Clemson I think teams that are resisting this are making a mistake because I think as an offensive coordinator you can always you know put a twist onto what they ran but if you really want to get early success since there's a lot of pressure you know for these guys to keep their jobs they need to start doing more of that so I think if you take Trevor Lawrence that early just like a Lamar Jackson kind of thing I think you better have a plan for that offense not saying he's not, uh, you know, scheme versatile, but I think if you're going to want to play him early on and not let him sit at all, I think you better bring him in and, you know, have a plan for him because I like what he can do. But, you know, looking off, uh, you know, his first read too long is something I've seen him do too often. Um, you know, sometimes he'll loft the deep ball, which he won't get away with on the next level. There's little things with him. So I think you better you know, have a plan for him in place because their RPO, their slow screen game, it works real well and it can work in the NFL, but it's not something you can run 60, 70% of the time. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of some of his pros and cons, the only guys I trust when going into the uh, drafting process is the draft network. So that is my source for everything draft wise. 
looking at Trevor Lawrence, um, like I said, 6'6", 220. Looking at his pros, Marino covered this really well um, when I was reading this before um, the show. Physically gifted, has terrific size, athleticism, and arm talent, something that we talked about you know, with his size. Does well to read coverage and identify coverage. Uh, he's willing to challenge tight windows and trust his ability to place the football. Has just the right amount of arrogance to believe he can make every throw. Um, and just on that little bit, uh, I just wanted to kind of talk about that first little part. We talked about his arm talent and stuff like that and how I would say cocky. He's confident in his throws. Looking at a guy like Justin Herbert, I feel like they do play pretty similar. Um, but I think I think that Lawrence is a little bit better on his feet. And we kind of talked about like what the new quarterback looks like right now. Taking a look at Lawrence, if you take him first overall, do you think he covers that pretty well? You know, being that mobile quarterback, does he do enough? He's not going to be a Lamar Jackson. Uh, but, Brian, do you think Trevor Lawrence could be the guy that kind of rolls out and makes plays on a terrible team like the Jets or even Washington? Yeah, and I think, like you said, if he's going to a bad team, there's going to be some holes there, and we're going to see that uh, more so. But, yeah, I think he does He does a good job of getting out of the pocket. He, he does a good job when he has to, rolling out, you know, avoiding pressure, stepping up, whatever it is, being mobile enough to – uh, allow himself to get into a better spot to throw. And then, like you said, that just his arm talent, he is cocky enough because he can he can put it wherever he wants to, kind of from wherever he wants to, whether he's rolling left, whether he's uh, under pressure, still throwing it. But then, uh, like we talked about, still having the mobility to take off and run and make some plays with his legs when he has to. Uh, like we said, though, that he's got to be careful lowering the shoulder. He's not going to be – uh, the biggest out there in the NFL anymore. So lowering your shoulder is not a good idea when you get to play on Sundays, but I'm sure that he seems like a smart enough guy that he's going to figure that out. He's going to realize, you know what, this isn't the ACC. This is, these are the big boys. These are professionals. I got to – like, I like that shot at the ACC. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. I mean, this is, I, like I, I would say that about any college. I mean, college is not like professional. These, these professional defenders are faster than you. They're They're stronger than you. They're bigger than you. And um, even at six six, you know you're gonna take some shots, and you can't you can't do that. You can't put yourself in unnecessary harm. But like I said, I think he's smart enough to figure that out. And so yeah, he kind of just fits the mold of the prototypical NFL quarterback. You just kind of wonder if that cockiness, like any young guy, if that kind of kind of comes back to bite him. But you know, there's some there's some oh, there's a learning curve, and maybe it does for a little bit. But I think he'll figure it out. Yeah, I remember when he was you know going into the lead eleven, it was. Trevor Lawrence versus Tua, and I was forced to hate this guy. Um, but, you know, and, you know, Tua did win the Elite 11, so got the uh, first ups on there. But, you know, just looking at, you know, how he plays, he's got a beautiful deep ball. That's one thing that, you know, people kind of knocked Tua on, just said, oh, he's just throwing slants. I think that's getting a little better for Tua, but this guy throws it deep, and that's what you want. Like, he, he has a better pass than Tua, I hate to say it. But I would say, you know, quarterback-wise, he was always the guy. It was Trevor Lawrence is the best since, you know, Andrew Luck, like you said earlier, Adam. Andrew Luck was like the perfect quarterback to everybody come out of college. Um, and it transitioned, it, uh, transitioned to the NFL pretty well. Um, so back to uh, Draft Network, like you said, with his um, athleticism, that's pretty much what they said. Super tough. He could take hits. You know, he's not afraid to uh, lower his pad level. Um, but looking at cons, Adam, you pretty much nailed it. Can be guilty of holding on to his first read too long and end up tardy to get to his second read. 
These, there are reps where it feels like his intentions with the football are predetermined and he doesn't want to come off that idea quick enough. So kind of like what you said too, Brian, like if you're too cocky in your passes, you can get into a hole early when you're still in interceptions because you're yeah. like, all right, I have to get it to this this guy. Like my best receiver is Terry McLaurin. I have to get it to him as much as possible, and it's becoming predictable. So with that, like is that something, Adam, that you can kind of, you know – steer off of going into a professional level is that like a mind thing or what exactly is that i think if he's smart he's gonna work with you know jordan palmer or one of these guys because i think that he needs someone out of the college level altogether because he's not gonna learn what he needs to do and a lot of you know one big thing that i see with him you know he's he throws on the rope nice accuracy but man he's got to put a little more zip on it on the next level because if he doesn't these corners are just too good so i think by working with you know, a guy like Jordan Palmer, you know, someone on that level, you know, just to help him, you know, with the ins and outs, you know, just letting them know that, you know, when he gets out of the pocket, I think put on a lot of Kyler Murray tape because that's a guy that I'll, I'll first to admit, I did not think he'd have the success early on, but I think a lot of his success is he knows how to get down. He doesn't take unnecessary hits. And, you know, it's easier said than done when you're six foot six. But I think you can learn a lot from, you know, watching, you know, the, the baseball tape slides, you know, and there's other guys in this draft that, you know, may not be as athletically gifted as Lawrence, but they know how to do that. And, you know, it's le- led to a lot of success for them. So, you know, there's definitely things he can do to, um, you know, help him with his maturation process. But, yeah, like you guys mentioned, he, he just can't take those kind of hits on this level. Not not at 220. 220 sounds, you know, legit at six foot six, but he's got a lean frame. And I think, you know, he'd be wise to add another, 50, you know, 10 to 15 pounds of, you know, some real muscle onto his, especially on his lower body, because that's where a lot of punishment can be taken early on. Dude, he'd be, he'd be stacked with 10, 15 more pounds. <laughs> it sounds lofty, but they, they, yeah. these draft no, guys are doing it every year, man. Go look at Giannis before he got drafted and what Giannis looks like right now right. in the NBA. Like, like you said, Brian, like the professional level is completely different. Like guys are – getting into DK Metcalf, Metcalf level, exactly. like exactly um, like athleticism. Yeah. Um, so one note I have on here, you know, I've even seen some people saying that Trevor Lawrence isn't worth, you know, trading all these picks for, for Washington because he couldn't, you know, just change a franchise. I got to disagree with that. Um, I want to say that, you know, like I said, with Trevor Lawrence being the best prospect, you know, quarterback wise, in my opinion, since Andrew Luck, I, I'd say he is absolutely worth it. But now the question, Brian, is, is Washington in that, in that position? Say, you know, the season ends today, we're picking at number nine. Do we trade up to number one, you know, trade a little bit of the future away? Do we get into like a, a whole like, you know, the Rams or like the Bears, David Trubisky, and, you know, risk it for a Trevor Lawrence? Or are you kind of pulling back and, you know, saying let's let something fall to us and risking that they don't actually pan out like Trevor Lawrence probably would? Ah, that's going to be a hefty uh, price to pay to move up. I mean, it's going to take several, several picks, uh, picks in coming years. And uh, you wonder, honestly, you know, as a fan, it sounds awesome. It sounds awesome to to say trade up and and get Trevor Lawrence and have your quarterback of the future. But is that something that that is good for the team? Because then all of a sudden you're without a first round pick. You're probably without a second round pick in however many years. I mean, I'm thinking back to the RG3 trade, um, you know, and there no, there's no certain thing. So you, you got to be really certain or really sure that this is your guy. I mean, it sounds great, and I, I really do. I think Trevor Lawrence is legit, but just how much does it cost you to move up from 
let's say a nine to a one, a nine to a two, and and how many other teams are are bidding on that? How many teams are putting in calls to whoever it is to try to trade up? So I think the price would be astronomical to where you, you might have to look elsewhere and you might have to, you know, take who whoever the best player is at at a nine or wherever you're at. And then, like you said, uh, you know, rely on your scouting team, rely on your your scouting department and go get a guy in the later rounds. Um, that just might be too hefty of a price to pay for as much as I like Trevor Lawrence. Don't get me wrong. I'm kind of with you. I think that he could be the answer and I think he could be worth those picks. But that's just so much. And I think it's good, the, especially for a guy like that, the price is going to be even higher than normal. Yeah, I will say with Lawrence, you know, people are saying like, man, you know, even I said it yesterday, like Justin Herbert just throws that thing and he doesn't care and he's pretty dang good at it. I think Trevor Lawrence would be that guy. You know, he does have that experience. He's a junior. He's been through it all. He's been at the biggest games for Clemson. You know, we know that he's been he, – he can show up in these big games. Like he's not some slouch. Like this guy is going to come in and probably be even better than what Herbert's going to be. Like that's just my opinion. Um, so I, I think that he would absolutely be worth it. Uh, but one thing that we are going to take a look at throughout this is teams, like you said, that are going to be, you know, quarterback hungry. You've got the Jets. We don't know how they feel about Darnold. Sounds like they might be over with that. The Giants, anything's possible with them. They, they like Daniel Jones, but we see how he's doing. Um, Gardner Minshew just got benched for the Jags. They're in it. Matt Ryan, the Falcons. The, that's the first four teams, like, in the draft right now could potentially be winning a quarterback. Um, same with Vikings, same with, uh, I would say, even San Francisco, Chicago. So, like I said, there's just so many teams, like, bidding. It's it's going to be an all-out war. I, I think the Jets are going to do anything and everything to get that number one pick and keep that secured. Um, but I just don't see Washington having enough or being willing to trade up that much to get them. Would I do it? Yes, it's a realistic. I think it's safe to say it's not. Would you agree with me, Adam? Yeah, I, I just don't think it's realistic, for, especially you no know, Ron Rivera. And I don't know if it's the best thing to do with Ron Rivera. It seems like, you know, I've been saying, you know, a receiver left tackle with one of their first picks and then, you know, doing, you know, kind of the same move we did with Montez Sweat by trading back into the first round where that's where I can see us getting a quarterback. You know, maybe one of the guys we're talking about is going to fall into the later portions just based on team needs and, you know, so on. But you know, just to think, of course, they're a quarterback away. A lot of teams are, but, you know, a lot of teams don't have that Terry McLaurin. I think if you can add a premier wide receiver in this draft or even, you know, a premier tight end like Pitts from uh, uh, Florida, you know, that can change your offense right away if you if you do have some kind of bridge quarterback in place. And by the draft, I, I one way or another, I think Washington will, will know they'll have one some kind of bridge quarterback in place. Whoever they draft, I don't think is going to be – in a competition for, you know, week one. So I think that's the best way to go. But I think, you know, trading more picks, I think that's the worst thing to do. I think you made, you know, you promoted Kyle Smith. Now he's running pro and college personnel. So maybe he can now morph it together and not have players forced down his throat. And, you know, that's, that, that's not a knock on Haskins. But, you know, when you have, uh, you know, a scouting department, you don't hear scouting departments talking like ours did. They yeah. basically said they, you know, I, I was a lock guy myself, but they didn't even have lock, you know, rated in, in their in their uh, top portion of the first round. Look what happened. He went to the second round. They had other guys. Luckily, Montez Sweat was one of their top 20 guys. So they got him. But at what, what cost? It cost them a second round. So not only was it, you know, the issue with Dwayne Haskins, it cost them the second round to move up uh, to get uh, Sweat. So 
un- unlike the years past, it's not salary cap hell. You know, the, the salaries aren't as crazy as they used to be with the rookie wage scale, but it's still a first round. It's, it's, a, it's a top 20 pick that they're going to have to move on from. And, you know, no matter what fans want to think, they're not going to get valuable. And my, what I've been saying today, I think they'll be lucky if they get a package with a fourth and a conditional. So mm-hmm. I think that, you know, you're going into thinking about building your team, not trying to solve it in one shot. And I think that if you go on that thinking, I think it's a process, a two, you know, two whatever year process. But I think with the division up for grabs, if you can just go and, you know, even if you get a playoff berth and you lose the first one, you know, you're in the right direction, then you can justify this building process. But if you've continued to fall flat, again, I think there's this need by Snyder to appease the fans. So we'll see this off season, what they're about, if they're the long term or they just, you know, want to solve, try to, you know, solve it in one shot. But I think trading picks and trading your future to move up again, I think you got to at least wait a decade or so before you try that move again. And and I was just, I was trying to find out while I was talking, but uh, the RG3 trade, remember, took two first round picks along with switch swapping the picks that year and an additional pick. So, I mean, yeah. We're talking about three extra picks there. And, you know, no. to go up to number one, which is probably where Lawrence is going to be at, it's got to be even more than that. And and they were coming from six to two. So if you're saying, you know, outside nine. of the top ten, nine, ten, right? I mean, moving up nine spots, whew, it's going to cost you even more than that. There'll be more competition, you know, with, with the luck in the RG3, is, you know, as much as that was hyped up back then, I honestly think there'll be more demand for Lawrence because I think – he fits the mold of what more teams are doing. I think, um, you know, Luck certainly did, but I think, you know, Griffin, a lot of teams knew what they were getting with him. They knew that they would have to, you know, they'd have to change what they do. But Lawrence, I think, you know, teams know that if you surround him with talent, like if you're, let's say, you know, if you're the Jets, you know, they have multiple first rounds, they have multiple early rounds. If you just, you know, go all out and you start surrounding with Alabama receivers, LSU guys, you know, the top people in the nation, you know, they might be a crappy team, but they still might be a team, you know, putting up 400 yards a game. We saw Dak do it. So it's not like it's unheard of. So, you know, I live in New York. A lot of people are down with the Jets. And I tell people, I said, you know, a guy like Lawrence can change your team around. So a team like the Jets, I say all in, you'd go do it. But there's not many other situations that I say, you know, it makes sense. Jacksonville, that makes sense. But for every team there is, there's two teams that don't make sense, in my opinion. Yeah, I would say, you know, tanking for Trevor is completely out for Washington. For uh, sure. I could see more Jacksonville, like you said, Jets kind of competing for it at the end. Um, but then that's what gets us into Justin Fields. You know, potentially, you know, you do have these guys, you know, like offensive linemen, wide receivers that might push him back a couple spots. So you're not jumping as high. So Justin Fields – same thing. He's a junior quarterback, has this experience, transferred from Georgia, uh, but that god-awful 4th and 11 fake punt that Kirby ran scarred him for life probably. Uh, it's probably a good reason to go to Ohio State and get out of there. They still um, talk about it being down here in Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. They're well well aware. So do me and Adam being Alabama fans. <laughs> uh, but 6'3", 223, so about the same weight as Trevor Lawrence, but he is that shorter, stockier guy. Um we got to talk about it real quick because this is what a lot of people say. Dwayne Haskins, Ohio State quarterbacks do not pan out. What, what was the last good, you know, quarterback out of, you know, like Oregon before like Herbert, like Mariota possibly? Like it's it's not about like the schools. It's about the player. It, right? It's like not taking Trevor Lawrence because Taj Boyd didn't work out. I mean, yeah, right, exactly. 
Exactly. Deshaun Watson did, but like you can yeah, say, it's, exactly. a, it's a silly argument too. That yeah. you couldn't be two totally different players from Fields and Haskins. So, you know, but you're going to hear that argument. You're going to hear Team Fields. You're going to hear people that are really against him, which is crazy because to me, it's like either you really love it or you know you're still on the fence. Because I really can't see people hating him. You know, he's just too good to say say that. You know. What was the last good quarterback out of Texas Tech before Pat Mahomes? <laughs> like, oh, gosh. I mean, the Bears might have used that tactic. Whoa, like Texas Tech, we're not getting this guy. He's not on our boards. Um, but, like, the Chiefs obviously did their job. So you can't say it. I think I think the whole PTS thing is out of the window. It's completely irrelevant. I think they're two completely different guys, too. Um, you know, they, they both put up big numbers. Like, I can't, you know, go against what Haskins did. But just watching them play – it's two different guys. And Adam, I know you would agree with me. Um, so that's out of the way. But what one thing that I will notice, um, once again, going over to Draft Network, they pointed out something that I wasn't too aware of until recently, and that is that Fields has a baseball background. So Fields showcases the same natural arm as so many of the top recent quarterback prospects have illustrated as of late. He's got a, pre- a prep background in baseball as a shortstop, which is easy to see when you ask him to throw on the move. He's an effortless thrower. He'll generate ample torque on the ball and can zip throws into tight coverage without much incident, even if it's untraditional platform. So that's something you talked about with uh, Lawrence needing to put a little bit more zip. Sounds like Fields has that zip, and we see it on his plays. It seems like consistently, especially this guy Olave, I can't wait to talk about him because I've fallen in love with him just watching uh, Fields play, but with that baseball background, something me and Adam talked about earlier was guys like Russ, Kyler, Jameis having this background and how much it really does translate to the NFL. These are guys that put heat on the ball. Like Jameis, like he had turnover mistakes, but he could throw that thing. Like he was still scoring. He was still getting yards. Like he still had one heck of an arm. So do you think that's something that could be like consistent going forward with these quarterbacks like I'm sh- like there's more players like in college that are you know playing baseball you mentioned like with uh, another guy Ritter that we're going to talk about later having the same kind of background is that something that like scouting department is going to look at and be like hey this guy played baseball like he gets extra points for that what do you think Adam oh for sure I I think you know they they want to see uh you know what kind of training they do you know how it translates and I think it's 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 odd, but you know it kind of makes sense. You know, especially you know when they're showing Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. You know, the poster want child uh, children for getting drafted. You know, in the MLB, and I think that they are really showing you know what the NFL is heading towards. You know, we we're gonna have Mahomes. We'll have these veteran Aaron Rodgers type game, uh, players. But I think you're seeing you know the game evolve more that and it, like we were talking about, it's not always about scrambling for you know 100 yards a game. It's, you know, to make plays downfield. And I think Justin Fields, you know, although I, you know, th- there are some holes in this game. And I think, you know, he's not someone that you draft and want to start him, you know, year one. I think there's a lot of things that need to be fixed. But in saying that, you know, he does a lot of things well. And I think one of those things is, you know, you know, making plays, you know, on the fly. And I, I really like that about him. And the baseball background, you can see it. And what's ironic is as much as it can be a positive, sometimes it can be a drawback. Um, it's just a slow windup depending, I guess, like we talked about, you know, he played shortstop. So, um, you know, he has to refine that because in the NFL, that windup, you know, he's going to have players like Chase Young knocking that ball out all day if he, if he, if he puts it out there for them. But, you know, he's, he's a really good prospect. But for people that are already putting him like number two right now, I think 
it's way too early. You know, there's a couple prospects that I could see could still fall. You know, that he'll be competing with to be the second one off the board. But it it has a lot to do with system. Whatever system you're running, again, even more than Trevor Lawrence, you better have you know a definitive plan for Justin Fields, and you better have a good mentor in front of him too. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see. Like we talked about, Trevor Lawrence is like tier one. That tier two might switch up, so I'm like, don't be surprised if Lance jumps in. Like, even though Lance didn't really have much, like, to show for this season, I can't wait to talk about him because I have a lot to say about him. But with Fields, like, what impressed me just looking at, you know, what he did against Penn State alone, his playmaking ability, you know, there's a couple of videos, like, you see it on Twitter, like, where the dude's about to get tackled and he's just pushing forward. Like, he has, like, eight guys hanging off of him. And I, I do like his like low center of gravity, like how we're saying six three. He's like that bigger, bulkier guy. What he does with his feet is what impresses me. You know, being able to, you know, make make plays outside the pocket, but also just tuck that ball in and like you said, lower his shoulder. I mean, you see the video like we played in the beginning where the guy's like spinning before he gets tackled and just diving into the end zone. Like he's not afraid to take those hits. And like taking a look at like what Haskins, a lot of times he just looks so uncomfortable on his feet. That's why I'm saying they're two completely different guys. Yeah, I like Fields' throw better. I like the zip he puts on it, and I like what he can do with his feet. Um, But, Adam, I know you had some uh, negatives on him saying with his feet he might tuck it too soon. Or what what was your uh, con on Fields that you had? Um, Like I said, you know, next to to the wind-up, his footwork's choppy. And what it causes him to do, if he's in the pocket and he's not set right, he tends to just float it up. He really doesn't get that zip unless he's either stepping into it, which more times than not, if he's stepping into it, he's usually out of the pocket. He's usually being flushed out, and he, he throws a nice ball, and that's what I really like about him because I think in this day and age NFL, you know, as important it is to throw from the pocket, it's even more important to be able to throw, you know, across your body, you know, on the run. Um, so I like that about him, but, you know, the feet are a definite issue, and I'm telling you, you know, evaluators, uh, scouts, they're going to knock him down big time for this because this is not just – I was watching the Nebraska game, and, man, he was 20 for 21. He was perfect. But, man, I, I was just trying to keep my eye on, on those feet, and that could be definitely an issue in the next level. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. You know, like we said, it's early on, but this is the time when they start to get with professional coaching, professional training. So we'll see if he can fix that. I think he has a lot of things he can fix, but I think that – um, as crazy it is, I I see I don't know if it, what it is. I see a little Cam Newton in, in him as far as you know his improvisation skills. They're different players, but you know I saw you know just a little bit. I wanted to mention on him and just how he's shiftier. Like once he you know tucks and runs, he's not the guy like Kyler Murray that's going to hit the edge and get, get you on the outside. He's going to go between the tackles and you know yeah. get you those extra yards. So I really like that about him, and I think that translates you know to the next level. But uh, again, I said earlier to you. I'm curious to see how much Ohio State threw at him. Um, I know it's, you know, they don't throw too much of their quarterbacks. It's a clap system. You know, there's not too much ass. So I want to ha- I'd, I'd like to find out more about that. I'd like to see, you know, how much he was actually on his plate. Because just from, a, you know, from an all look on the outside, it, you know, it's an inside zone scheme, uh, a lot of RPO concepts uh, yeah. with play action, play action playing off the RPO. So, you know, it's a lot of basic concepts. The question is, you know, how many different um, formations, how many things did he come out of? So I'll be curious to know that because that, that's really important to GMs and teams, if they're, especially if they're selecting the first round. Yeah, that's one thing that, like, I'm taking a look at is, like, how do these guys fit into what we have, like, currently, 
like with our offense. And that's that's one thing they noted here is OSU implemented a lot of zone read and RPO comps, concepts for fields. Offensive staples that have risen to prominence at the pro level as teams adapt a more wide open, faster style of play. Like we said, with like today's NFL is getting faster, especially in offense. Like that's just what it's transforming into. So I think that really does help them go to the next level. Um, but the one thing that they have for his cons, like you said, Adam was just um, adding experience needed to stabilize his projection. He's a one-year starter at OSU. He did get out of sync in significant stretches for some of his bigger games last season, including Penn State, Michigan State, and Wisconsin, and then in the semi-final uh, against Clemson, which was just all-out great game. Like I'm, I think he did well. Um, but just seeing what he's done so far this season, what would you say is different than last season? Because um, like I said, I watched that Penn State game, and to me, he did look better than what I've seen. I like his throws. I like his decision-making more. I'll have to go back and look at his footwork a little bit more. But do you, do you see anything different? already from these two games that we didn't see last year. I'll go with you, Adam. Um, especially the Nebraska game. It just, he just seems more confident. Uh, you know, he's just decisive in his reads. I think last year I'd catch him, you know, too many times, maybe lock it onto one. So I think from last year to this year, he's definitely made a conscious effort to, um, you know, not telegraph his passes, not unlock on that 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 first read because I've seen him look on the right side and just like dart it inside. So I think he's definitely made an effort. You know, he's definitely getting you know some pro advice, pro coaching because these are the little things that they're going to start to break him down with. But in the end, to me, it's just he's just showing a lot more confidence. So go ahead, Brian. I was going to say, yeah, the fact that he. I didn't. I don't remember him being as accurate as he was, which is really impressive. Only seven com- incompletions through two games, but the big thing you said was, uh, you know, only sixteen starts under his belt. And I know he played a little bit at Georgia, but that's the biggest thing for me. We talk so much about Haskins and experience, and only starting for one year. And obviously, Fields is hopefully going to have about what do you say, 10 games this year, you know, 10, 12, you know, whatever it comes out to be, he'll have 25 starts or so under his belt, but there's still a lot to be seen for me. And um, that's the part that makes me nervous. Not so much the, it's not so much the Ohio state. It's the fact that it's another guy that just hasn't had the two to three full years under his belt, like a Trevor Lawrence, like even a Joe Burrow who transferred and still got two full years to start. So that's the part that makes me nervous you know, that, that, that stands out bigger than everything. Yeah. I, you know, I love the, the numbers that he's putting up, but how much of it is the system? Like you're saying, how much of it is, you know, the, the weapons around him at Ohio state. So that just makes me a little nervous. I'm not going to knock him because he's, he's killing it. I mean, he, he's a ridiculous talent, but that, that does make me a little uneasy, uh, you know, taking him that high, a guy that hasn't had that much experience. That's the one thing that just kind of worries me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I said, that's what we didn't like about Haskins. And Ron said, you know, I don't really have time for Haskins. So you kind of need that guy that's ready to step in and just – it's not like saying I need this guy to be Pat Mahomes right away. It's I need him to show me enough to where he can, you know, take over this job and shows that, you know, we have something to build off of. Um, But with Fields, it's definitely – my biggest concern was, you know, with the Big Ten opting out at first thing, I was like – this is going to hurt guys like him, you know, Micah Parsons, Journey Brown at Penn State, stuff like that. Like a lot of scouts can be like, you know, we just have that one year to really look at. So like when they started playing, I was like, all right, this is Fields' chance to step in, you know, especially getting that late start. Everyone's been anticipating where's the Big Ten. 
and they just came right into it, and he took over in that game with Penn State. A lot of people were watching that one. He said, you know, this is my stage. I'm going to take over. But how he plays through the rest of this season is going to be huge. Because, uh, that, like I said, that two, three, four range with him, Lance, maybe a guy, Zach Wilson, that we were going to be talking about that I'm absolutely in love with, as everybody knows, could possibly be rising up into that spot. So say, you know, Lance does jump him. Say he kind of falls off a little bit. I don't really see him falling off. But, you know, hypothetically speaking, say a guy like Fields drops down to like seven or eight where we are because Micah Parsons, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Sewell, you know, all these guys are drafted ahead of them. Do you think Washington pulls that trigger at like the seven, eight range on fields, or are you kind of comfortable staying back a little bit and getting a guy maybe trading back into the first and getting a Zach Wilson or, you know, Kyle Trask or something like that, Adam? Um, I, I think that they would probably, you know, pause about going quarterback again. You know, just because the fact that, you know, with the, the Dwayne Haskins situation, if they manage to trade him, which they're going to, it's just a matter of time. I think that they'll probably go another position if they're in that top 10. I think, like you said, unless we're talking about, you know, Lawrence right now, I don't think there's a lot of talent in this draft, let's just say. And I don't think that they'll pass on another position for the second t- you know, for the second guy uh, on the quarterback list. Cause I think it, you know, if they're that, if they end up picking that high in the draft, they probably get one of the top guys at their position. You know, if it's a wide receiver tackle, you know, we talk about Mika Parsons, you know, that might be kind of luxury to some, but that's a game, that's a game changer. So, you know, to me, I think you really Kyle, Kyle Smith and, and, and the whole scouting department, this is an opportunity for them to really build what they want to, you know, from what we're hearing, Rivera and them are on the same page. The question is, you know, do they feel that that quarterback is in, in this draft other than Lawrence? And I'm really, I don't think they believe that. I think that they think they can get through another year or so with a kind of a bridge quarterback. Don't tell me and, that. You know, maybe, you know, my prediction is I think that, you know, they'll trade back into the first round or maybe grab a guy in the second round. So they will grab a quarterback, but it may not be one of the, you know, the highly publicized guys that everyone's talking about. You know, we saw what they did in Carolina. They grabbed Greer in the second round. I don't really think it worked out. I think they, you know, overdrafted him a a little bit, but it just kind of showed me, you know, what they think that, you know, they want to do. So it'll be the whole Alex Smith situation will shape up a lot from what I looked at at the cap numbers, I think releasing him next year, We'll be able to spread that out for two years. It's like eight million, then I think another twelve million in the following year. So it's all manageable. They can't keep him on and keep Kyle Allen and add another veteran and draft a quarterback. So yeah. I think, like you said, you know, having Kyle Allen, you know, make him compete with a vet. You sign, that's your bridge, and you know, you you get a guy later on. But I think with early, if you are picking in the top fifteen again, like with Dwayne Haskins, you, you don't go quarterback unless unless right now. Um, again, it's early on for me, but unless that's Trevor Lawrence, I'm not sure you're picking any of those guys. But again, we'll talk about the BYU kid, but I'm just like, oh, you, yeah. you You know, I'm I'm starting to fall in love with him. So he might be the exception to the rule. Hard as not far to. As, you know, somebody, <laughs> somebody early on because that, that guy's got the it factor. And that's what I'm looking for. And other than Trevor Lawrence, I'm not seeing it in a lot of these quarterbacks. But right now, Wilson's one of those guys I'm seeing that, you know, I'm really getting more impressed more and more I watch him. So in closing, Brian, I want to ask you, Kind of like what we asked Adam, but a little different. Got pick eight or nine, a guy like Fields falls, or you kind of trade up a couple spots. Are you more comfortable getting Fields, or are you taking that, you know, 
all-star linebacker and Parsons or a wide receiver like Jamar Chase. It's a deep, it's a deep wide receiver draft. I will say the, the deepest of all time, just better than last year. Do you still kind of take that big playmaker now and wait on the quarterback or are you doing the opposite, taking that quarterback now and taking advantage of such a deep draft and say second round, get your wide receiver? Yeah, I totally, uh, I totally get what you're saying. Uh, about the wide receiver I, I think you're gonna find a guy no matter what whether it's the first round or, or later like you're saying um, but this team has so many holes you can't just look at the quarterback and I think taking a quarterback there if it's kind of a reach which I'm not saying Justin Fields is but it might be a reach for for Washington right. because they have so many holes around them it's not just pass catcher it's that entire offensive line not knowing if Brandon Sheriff's going to come back yet, not knowing, you know, what you're doing with that whole left side. So there are so many holes that I would rather take a guy, take a linebacker. You know, if you if if there's a no-brainer wide receiver there, if there's a tackle there, I would rather take a guy there than Justin Fields, who, like we're kind of saying, needs the right system, probably needs a, a little bit of time to sit and watch and learn the NFL system. I'd rather take a guy that can – impact you in, in other ways because this team does have so many holes I know this is the quarterback show I know we're focusing on these big name quarterbacks but there are so many other needs for this team and I, I'm going to trust in Kyle Smith to 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 find that guy later on if he's there and if he's not you know what that's okay too you know if, if you're, you're just out of position or you feel like you're reaching for a quarterback you don't need to do that there are too many Mitchell Trubisky stories, Jake Locker stories, Christian Ponder stories, where they were the best quarterback available at the time, and they reached. They still reach. You know, so you don't have to take a quarterback. There's no, there's no rule that says you have find to find your guy. Quarterback. Yeah, find your guy right. and find him at the right spot. Don't reach. Right. And so, um, if Justin Fields isn't your guy, you don't think that he's he's gonna make a huge impact. You know who will is a is a left tackle. You know right. who will is a, is a linebacker. So. I'm all for waiting a little bit and trying to trade back up for a Zach Wilson or a Kyle Trask or whoever it may be, whoever is their guy at a lower spot. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I'd, be, I'd be willing to wait on the quarterback at that spot. I agree with you. To me, it's all about the prospect. If you're picking at, say, eight and a guy like Micah Parsons falls, absolutely best linebacker prospect I've seen. We're talking about Trevor Lawrence being the best quarterback prospect. Right. Micah Parsons, go watch his game against uh, Memphis last year. I pretty much play that in my sleep. <laughs> that's that's like my – I've always been a defensive guy, and I love linebackers. So, like, he, for me, he's, like, through the roof. But to me, it's all about prospects. But if you're picking there, you know, there's a guy you're, like, don't know. you like, you know, you do have, say, you know, Fields is there, but you kind of feel good about your guy. It's, it's a risk game, too, because your guy might get drafted before you draft. So, right. something I'm going to – start putting out there. I'm not going to go all in on it yet, but maybe you trade back like five, six spots. Get Why your not? guy. Get I your like guy the idea of that. I, I always liked, I always like the idea of trading back because yeah. I think, <laughs> you know, when, when you're a situation like Washington, you know, adding more picks is what you need to do. Cause when they, after free agency, I still don't think they're going to go crazy. I think we saw they'll try to put all their, you know, all their eggs in one basket, either they get it or they don't, but they're not going to go two, three blue chippers. So if you're not doing that, you better be getting, you know, hit on your draft pick. So the only way to do that is get more. So, you know, to me, exactly. If somehow they fall in that top 10 range, most likely if you're like, let's say, Eight, nine, ten. Okay, eight, nine, ten. You're gonna miss out on the top on probably every position: wide receiver, left tackle, quarterback. Yeah. So your best situation is to move back. But I think that 
I don't know, maybe this is the optimism of me, but they will have a draft room where there will be cool heads. There will be thoughts mm-hmm. of the future, and it's not just about win now. But again, with Dan Snyder, you know, I'm on the boat with all the neg- – I-, I try not to get on the negative boat, but it's true. Will it ever change if he's involved? You know, how- even if he's at an arm's length, you know, is it still, you know, too much? So that's the question. If he's going to let his guy – the football people work, if they can work, I have faith because I think they've had a lot of hits, especially on, you know, the day two, day three picks. And I see no reason why, you know, their next quarterback isn't, you know, either a late first round or, you know, even, you know, second, third round in the draft that can be a franchise. We've seen it many, many times for other teams. And, you know, yeah. I think the statistics even show more times than not they've been later round picks than first round picks. So I agree, guys. It was awesome chopping it up. Next episode, we're going to be talking about Trey Lance and my draft crush, Zach Wilson. So whether you are team draft best wide receiver best linebacker and then kind of wait on your quarterback or if you might be like me and your team trade back and get two guys around that same spot um this coming up is to me the more realistic spot for washington yes trevor lawrence fields the idea is there it sounds great but it might not be what washington does maybe lance maybe wilson maybe trash some guys we've talked about so stay tuned we'll definitely get into that but next week trey lance out of north dakota state probably one of the hardest guys to evaluate with one game on the season uh, being a sophomore and then Zach Wilson. If you haven't watched his tapes, just go to my Twitter profile and you'll see all of them. So guys, it was a blast and we will catch y'all next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.